0: And while you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now, sit back, tune in, and get ready to meet this week's guest.
1: Hello again, everyone. I'm Brett Ridgeway, and welcome to another episode of the Spotlight on Speaking show. Thank you so much for joining us today, and thank you so much to have as my guest today, Lois Kramer. Lois has written the book on speaking Book More Business, Make Money Speaking. It's been adopted by several National Speaker Association chapters as a curriculum for speaker academies. Lois is also co-author of the book, The Speaker Author, Sell More Books, and Book More Speeches. She's worked in the speaking industry for 25 years. She's a regular presenter for the National Speakers Association as well as members of the Global Speakers Federation in the United Kingdom, Scotland, Australia, Africa, and India. In 2021, she was awarded Honorary Fellow for the Professional Speakers Association of England and Ireland. She's an avid reader, has a yellow lab for an intern, and although she has traveled extensively over the years, her only layover today was in her kitchen. So I've got to ask Lois, first and foremost, what was on the menu today for that
2: kitchen layover? Uh, Peanut butter sandwich. It's a glorious (laughs) life that I live, Brett. I I know you're impressed. That's a staple (laughs) for all of us. That I so, made well, myself, and it was very good.
1: All right, very good. Are you crunchy or smooth?
2: Uh, I'm smooth. <laughs> uh, as you can tell, I'm very sophisticated in my food choices. All right, well, you know, on, on that note, let's get started in your speaking journey, Lois. So,
1: you know, when somebody recommended you as a guest for this show, I was you know, excited to check you out and say, yeah, definitely. I need to get Lois on here because you've been involved in the industry about the same amount of time I, as I have. So I'm sure you've seen some interesting things happen in your speaker's journey. But when did the speaker's bug first
2: bite you? When did you say, I want to do that? Well, I'll tell you, Brett, totally by accident do I find myself here in business. Um, I um, worked right out of college, worked for a Fortune 10 corporation in sales and marketing here in St. Louis, where I live and then stayed home a number of years to raise my daughter. And uh, then through a college connection, uh, was connected with a professional speaker here in St. Louis who was looking for somebody to run his business and gave me the hours I wanted while my daughter was younger. And so I helped him uh, manage his business. And he was very active in National Speakers Association, as I am now. And my first uh, gig, if you will, was for the National Speakers Association at one of their winter conferences, at uh, one of their national meetings, speaking with speakers on how to sell their speaking services. And um, the next year they invited me back at their convention to speak about the same thing. And as time went on, I was wondering, I wonder if there could be a business in this for me. And um, so lo and behold, in 1998, which sounds like 1898 now when I say it, Brent, um, I started my own business working with speakers on the business side of speaking. I don't do anything about writing a speech, telling you what your expertise is, helping you with presentation skills. When, when you have all of that and you want to make money with it, that's when people come to me. So it's kind of an accidental journey, but a joyful one.
1: So I always say that in my mind, Lois, there are three primary types of speakers. You've got your keynote presenter, you've got your platform seller, and you've got your person who's doing it just for business building purposes. could be a chiropractor, and financial planner, whatever.
2: So which of those arenas have you played in and which one do you prefer? Well, I've played in all of them, quite frankly, uh, over the years. I used to speak on sales to corporate sales teams in the early 2000s. Now the only professional speaking I do are the groups of professional speakers. Uh, but I've played, I don't really have a favorite because i they're all my favorite. If I have a good opportunity and I have the ability to leverage, especially for a pay-to-play kind of situations where I'm going to make an offer, um, that is uh, good only if you have a great offer that is highly targeted for the people who are sitting in front of you. Um, right now, I, I will say a lot of the speaking I do, for example, for National Speakers Association, I'm not paid. I go all over the country speaking to chapters in, um, uh, in the United States. I've spoken at every chapter multiple times over the last many years. I was actually blonde some of the places. <laughs> and um, I've done the same thing for Canada. I've spoken at all of their chapter provinces and several places in Europe. And there, I don't get paid. Now, they have to pay my expenses and treat me like a queen. But I'm presenting in front of my target market, which has always been, quite frankly, my best marketing has been uh, giving people ideas, tactics, and techniques to use to leverage speaking to make money. And then I think when people are thinking I could use someone to help me grow my business, I hope they'll think of me. And it's worked pretty well for me. Well, I wish you are a queen and you should be treated as such. So let's just Thank you. I appreciate right your recognizing that.
1: <laughs> so since you played in all the arenas, let's, let's talk about keynote speaking briefly. So as a keynote speaker, what are your best tips for an aspiring speaker who thinks they want to be a keynoter as to how to
2: best make sure the message that they're going to deliver will resonate with that audience? Well, I, I have two things. I would suggest anybody coming into business not seek to be a keynote speaker, not seek to be a breakout speaker, not seek to be a workshop speaker. They should speak, seek to be a speaker, an expert who speaks. The reality is in the business now, there's great ambiguity in how these terms are defined, keynote, breakout, workshop. I just had a client, Brett, who was hired to do a two-hour highly engaging keynote which is not the typical definition of a keynote. But so there are there's great ambiguity around these terms. I tell my clients, find out what the opportunity is and then see if you can fit into what they need. Uh, my instrument for doing that is a pre-programmed questionnaire I share. Uh, it is all about doing my homework before I, I go in. Um, Ask all about the event, What's the most important thing you want me to know about this event? How will you count whether this was a win or not? Um, who's going to be in the audience? What's the audience makeup? Have there been any big things that have happened in your industry or your specific business in the last several months? All of these allow me to go in knowing what the lay of the land is. I uh, I remember one time going into a corporation uh, to speak to their sales team. And they were filling out the pre program questionnaire. We were talking about it. This was two weeks before I was flying in. And they said on my last question, my last question is, is there anything you'd like me to know that I haven't asked? And they said, yes, you may want to know that we laid off 25% of our sales force last week. You may want to (laughs) know. So this obviously was incredibly important that I go in with this knowledge, when I was introduced, I didn't come out clapping saying, don't we love selling? We love sales. I came out and told people, I know this is probably the most nervous you've ever been in your lives with this company, working for this company. And you're being asked to do more with fewer resources. The pressure is on. And that's why I've been brought in to help you deal with this situation. So I was received in a totally different way than as if I came out trying to be a cheerleader. So I think knowing what you're walking into, whether you're doing a keynote, a breakout, a workshop, whatever you wanna call it, is absolutely essential. And my clients utilize a pre-programmed questionnaire so they go in knowing what they're gonna walk into.
1: Now, obviously in the platform selling world, Lois, your success is measured in dollars and cents. How do you measure, in your mind, the success of a
2: keynote presentation? Well, you know, I I, I have to tell you, I think the answer is if the client is happy, but let me tell you my experience with keynotes. I essentially, when I was doing sales presentations, I think it was training. It was sales training. I never called it sales training because training is undervalued in the marketplace. So I called it what I tell my clients to call everything they do, call it a program, not a keynote, not a breakout at a workshop. So I would say my programs run anywhere from an hour to whatever the maximum might be, a half day, a full day. And uh, I was asked by an association that I presented for a couple of years in a row, would you do an opening keynote for us? People know you now, you've been with us. So I said, okay. Well, at first I said, I don't really do keynotes. And they said, well, we'd love you to do it. So I said, okay, I'll do it. So I got some help. I reached out to get some help from someone who Uh, is a great speech writer, very successful speaker. She really helped me create a great program. They were happy with it. I hated it. Uh, It just wasn't what I really wanted to do. Um, Another company asked me to do a keynote. I did the same thing. They were very happy. I hated it. I finally just took it off my website. Because it's, I like the interaction. And typically in a keynote, the way it is, typically defined. There isn't a lot of engagement and and interaction. I liked that interaction when I was doing my sales programs. So it's a matter, I think, of knowing what it is you want to do, what makes you comfortable, how you think you can best serve the client. And as speakers, when we're selling our speaking services, we're really consultative sellers. We're in the consulting business. If you were my client, but my job is to to let you know the best use of me and how i can best fill your needs so it might not be uh, a format that uh that you like but it might be one that i like and if we don't have a meeting of the minds i might not be a perfect fit for you so i'm probably not the best person to ask about how you know i mean my clients were happy i continued to work for them i think those were all good signs but um, it just was not my forte, quite frankly.
1: So obviously in any speaking situation, whether it's a keynote, a platform selling, just a business building speech, establishing rapport with your audience is critical. So what, what tools did you use or what have worked best for you to quickly establish
2: rapport so that your message resonates better with your audience? You know, I think the first job of any professional speaker cross any ways you're doing this to promote your pay to fee or pay for play. Your first job is to create empathy with the audience so that they are going to listen to you. That is your first responsibility. I like to use humor. I think it's a great way to have people buy into me. I also like to be relatable. And so I use some self-deprecating humor and some examples of things I have done so poorly Anna, that um, I think people will relate. We've all made mistakes. I like to be totally vulnerable. It's really worked for me. Uh, and I've got lots of things that I've tried that have not worked. Uh, so I have a lot of material, Brett. But I do think that, the, that it is our responsibility to make sure that they are buying into us. They're not only buying into the message, but they're buying into the messenger. And I think that that's key. And so I, I would say I, I, my best tool is probably humor.
1: Okay. So as a platform seller, Lois, give me your three best tips for somebody that's considering that as a speaking path
2: to achieve success as a platform seller. I think number one, have a great speech. To me, it all begins with the speech. Whether you are being paid or not, your job is to give an absolutely great speech. So you got to have a great speech. Number two, it's know your audience. Who is sitting in front of you? And do you have a product that is targeted for them? Targeted for them. And then third, you have to be great at selling. Um, you know, I say that speakers are really not just speakers, we're in the intellectual property business. That's the business that we're in. And so I've got to know my intellectual property inside out and know what's an absolute fit for that audience. And then I have to be able to describe the package, the product, or both a combo package, if you will, that I am selling. And I have to be able to speak to the outcomes that the people in the audience will receive from taking advantage of that offer. People don't wanna buy processes. They don't wanna buy packages. They don't want to buy products. They want to buy outcomes. So that's the language I i believe in. And that's the language my clients use when selling a speech, a product, a package, anything.
1: All right. So I have some other questions I want to ask you, Lewis. But before we do, let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsor.
0: Are you a business owner or entrepreneur who's had great success in the business world? And now you want to launch a speaking career to share your message with the world? If that's you, Then listen up. 25-year speaking industry veteran Brett Ridgway has released his latest special report, Three Key Things Entrepreneurs Must Master to Build a Profitable Speaking Business. To pick up your copy, go to brettridgeway.com forward slash freebie.
1: All right, I'm back with my guest in this episode, Lois Kramer. And so Lois, when you talk about having a great speech as your first priority of the three tips that you gave there, in your mind, what is the proper percentage of delivering great content, which you obviously are obligated to do for the audience, versus the percentage of the content versus the percentage
2: of, quote, the pitch? And for what type of speech are you talking about? Platform selling situation. So um, I don't know.
1: Content, what percentage should be? Plus?
2: You don't. Know, I don't know because I really I, – I haven't done it probably for 20 years. Um, but I will say this, um, that if you are pitching most of the time, you're losing most of the time. What, what, the way to interest people in what you do is by giving them valuable information and wanting to know more from you. The way to lose them is by giving them a small amount of information and then going too soon into selling and too long into selling. It is a turnoff. Uh, I, I am totally turned off by it so my model is would be a, a very high percentage of information and a small percentage of selling
1: now i always say 85 to 90 percent should be content before you even get into i, I would probably it's
2: agree with you I, I i think that's good brad i agree all right so
1: one of my favorite questions always to ask my guest, lois is okay it's time to bury your soul a little bit here and share an embarrassing mistake that you made during your speaking journey that we, you know, made you a little red face at the time, but a valuable lesson was learned, and it would be something that you would highly advise an aspiring speaker not to do.
2: Well, of course, I've never made a mistake, Brett. So never. you can never. imagine. Yeah,
1: you know, yeah, I made. A you mistake can imagine. Life, I'm stunned
2: imagine. by. <laughs> I'm stunned by that question. You know, I'll tell you. Um, I'll tell you one uh, that that was uh, a, an interesting learning thing for me. Uh, I talked about uh, a few minutes ago, a pre program questionnaire that I used. I never used to ask what the audience mix is, men versus women kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I did a program for an association in Las Vegas. And uh, the person who uh, brought me in was an association management person, worked for a big associated management company. And they were great to me. They sent me to several of their association clients. And when she hired me, she said, I want you to know this is a male-dominated industry. So I thought, well, very interesting. And it was the International Association of Ticket Brokers. You know, there's an association for everything, for everything. So male-dominated. So I got to the venue and I like to go down early and say hi to the people who are going to be uh, in the audience. And I walked in the room. It was about 300 people. This was a breakout session I was doing. And of the 300 people, 298 of them were men. One woman in the front row and yours truly. So I thought you have to be kidding male dominated. This is, this is just nuts. So I was introduced. uh, I was introduced, Brett, to a smattering of applause.
0: Yeah.
2: Okay. And. Most of the men were sitting there with their arms crossed. And I knew what they were thinking was, what does this woman have to teach me about selling? How'd you break through that barrier? Well, I I decided I had to do something. So I I said, I'll be with you all in just a minute. After the smattering of applause ceased. I stepped down off the platform and went to the front table where the one woman was sitting. And they had uh, pitchers of water, napkins, things that you typically see in those kinds of sessions. And I took a napkin and I dunked it into the pitcher and I wrung it out very slowly, smiling at everyone saying, I'll be with you in a minute. Walked back up on the platform and started dabbing my head in the back of my neck. And I said, you know, you have to excuse me today. I'm having hot flashes. And I bet I have enough estrogen coursing through my veins to counteract the testosterone looking at me right now with their arms crossed. And something instantly happened. Arms went down and people started applauding and laughing. Suddenly I had been able to have people put down their guard, maybe hush their (laughs) preconceived notions for the moment and give me a chance. And the program went incredibly well. But I think had I not addressed the elephant in the room, uh, it might not have happened. Now that worked out really well. But after that, I went back to my pre-program questionnaire and I asked for a percentage of women and men, a ratio. So that doesn't happen again. Uh, Being prepared is everything to me. And this situation worked out well but it was never going to happen again where it was a total surprise to me.
1: Well, that raises a question in my mind, Lois, and that is, how does one
2: develop the ability to think quickly on their feet as you did there? You know, I'm not sure I have an answer for that. I just, I was trying to think of the only thing I could do, something that I could do to address this was so ridiculously male, (laughs) you know, and, um, uh, and using humor as i told you i like to use and that was just something that that i thought of uh how i do think that if you are able to think on your feet um you you need to try and you need to try and cultivate your ability to to be responsive to different situations look we all know i've had a fire uh drill go off in a hotel while i was speaking uh, there are things that uh we have to address as speakers and if we get flustered it's a contagion then the audience will and certainly the meeting planners the people who hire us will as well so i think being confident and cool even when you're not act like you are which is what i was doing right um i think that that can make all the difference uh so i think that the ability to think on your feet and be responsive in any situation I think is something that um, we gain as we get experience being on the platform and being in front of people. But it's something that you need to be deliberate about. Uh, Asking yourself, what would I do if fire alarms started going off in the hotel and I was presenting, what would I do? You can even ask that in a pre-programmed questionnaire. Should there be an emergency? How would you like me to handle it? Do you want me to bring you up? Do you want me to say something? You know, there, there are ways that you can anticipate some things that could happen, but right. we're never going to anticipate anything and everything. I had a medical emergency that happened. A gentleman had a heart attack um, in my audience. It was nothing that I said, Brett, I'm sure.
1: All right. But, you, um, might, you might be selling. I don't know if I'm buying yet.
2: <laughs> um, and I just asked people if we could have a moment of silence and say a prayer or be thinking positive thoughts for this gentleman while they were removing him from the room. Um, I just think that there, you just have to think about what's the best thing for everybody to remain calm and the meeting not to to uh, get railroaded down the wrong track.
1: Obviously you've written a couple of books that any speaker should have in their resource library, but I wanna give you a couple of minutes here now, Lois, to tell people a little bit more about what all you're doing and how they can get
2: involved in your world they should so choose well thank you Um, uh, i my flagship book i would say is book more business make money speaking which i just so happen to have beside me um this is on amazon and at bookstores and it's done pretty well for me over the years um it is um something that is i think it's available i think it's helpful for speakers quite frankly at any level where you are It addresses all all the assets, kind of a holistic look, again, at the business side of speaking at at the part what I do. And I would also invite people to sign up at my website for my blogs. I write blogs uh, that uh, are meeting intelligence, um, content uh, that speakers need to know, much about many of the things that you and I talked about today. Um, My take on different aspects of the business of speaking and my website is bookmorebusiness.com. Uh, you can go there and sign up. In fact, uh, you get a free ebook, uh, How to Make Money Speaking. Um, uh, if you sign up, uh, you get a couple chapters from that book in an ebook format. Um, but I would invite people to go there. If anything you'd want to know, you can find out at bookmorebusiness.com. If you'd want to get a hold of me, uh, Lois at bookmorebusiness.com, and uh, feel free to reach out. All right. Well, thank you so much for being my guest today, Lois. Really appreciate it. It was great to meet you and
1: really enjoyed our conversation. Everybody out there listening in, thank you for joining us today. As always, I wish you the greatest of success in all that you do. And may this year be your greatest year yet. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.
0: This has been the Spotlight on Speaking Show with Brett Ridgway. Be sure to join us every week as we interview speaking industry pros and have them share their best tips for building a profitable speaking business. Until next week, thank you for tuning in and remember to visit our website at spotlightonspeaking.com so you can enjoy even more great episodes like this one. While you're here, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Spotlight on Speaking show. Until then, Our sincere best wishes to you for the greatest of success as you work to build your own profitable speaking business.